It's February 19th. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide, and my name is David McAdam. It's my privilege to be able to read the scriptures with you. We are in the book of Leviticus. We are outlining the worship that took place in the tabernacle, prefiguring the holiness and devotion of God's people towards the one true God. We're in chapter 7, starting with verse 28, and we'll go through to chapter 9, verse 6. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever offers the sacrifice of his peace offerings to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offerings. His own hand shall bring the Lord's food offerings. He shall bring the fat with the breast, and that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be for Aaron and his sons. And the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a contribution from the sacrifice of your peace offerings. Whoever among the sons of Aaron offers the blood of the peace offerings and the fat shall have the right thigh for a portion. For the breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed I have taken from the people of Israel out of the sacrifices of their peace offerings and I have given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons as a perpetual due from the people of Israel. This is the portion of Aaron and of his sons from the Lord's food offerings from the day they were presented to serve as priests of the Lord. The Lord commanded this to be given them by the people of Israel from the day that he anointed them. It is a perpetual due throughout their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering, of the grain offering, of the sin offering, of the guilt offering, of the ordination offering, and of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai, on the day that he commanded the people of Israel to bring their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. Chapter 8. The Consecration of Aaron and His Sons The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, and the anointing oil, and the bull of the sin offering, and the two rams, and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put the coat on him and tied the sash around his waist and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of the ephod around him, binding it to him with the band. And he placed the breastpiece on him and in the breastpiece he put the urim and the thummim. And he set the turban on his head and on the turban, in the front, he set the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took the anointing oil, and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it, and consecrated them. And he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, and anointed the altar and all its utensils and the basin and its stand to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head, and anointed him to consecrate him. And Moses brought Aaron's sons and clothed them with coats and tied sashes around their waists and bound caps on them, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he brought the bull of the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull of the sin offering, and he killed it. And Moses took the blood and with his finger 
put it on the horns of the altar around it, and purified the altar, and poured out the blood at the base of the altar, and consecrated it to make atonement for it. And he took all the fat that was on the entrails, and the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull and its skin, and its flesh and its dung, he burned up with the fire outside the camp, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he presented the ram of the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he killed it, and Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar. He cut the ram into pieces, and Moses burned the head and the pieces and the fat. He washed the entrails and the legs with water, and Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering for the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he presented the other ram, the ram of ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he killed it, and Moses took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he presented Aaron's sons, and Moses put some of the blood on the lobes of their right ears and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar. Then he took the fat and the fat tail and all the fat that was on the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with their fat and the right thigh. And out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened loaf and one loaf of bread with oil and one wafer and placed them on the pieces of fat and on the right thigh. And he put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons, and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar with the burnt offering. This was an ordination offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it for a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' portion of the ram of ordination, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and of the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments and also on his sons and his sons' garments. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the entrance of the tent of meeting and there eat it and the bread that is in the basket of ordination offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. And what remains of the flesh and the bread you shall burn up with fire, and you shall not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting for seven days, until the days of your ordination are completed, for it will take seven days to ordain you. As has been done today, the Lord has commanded to be done to make atonement for you. At the entrance of the tent of meeting you shall remain day and night for seven days, performing what the Lord has charged, so that you do not die. For so I have been commanded. And Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord commanded by Moses. Chapter 9 The Lord Accepts Aaron's Offering On the eighth day Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a bull calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And say to the people of Israel, Take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both a year old without blemish, for a burnt offering. 
and an ox and a ram for peace offerings, to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil. For today the Lord will appear to you. And they brought what Moses commanded in front of the tent of meeting. And all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, This is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. So we see all of these prerequisites were necessary if these priests were to behold the glory of the Lord. Originally, the entire nation had been set apart to be priests. God desired that each and every Israelite would have direct access to Him. Remember what the Lord first said to Moses about the priesthood? In Exodus 19, verses 4-6, through 6, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey My voice and keep My covenant, then you shall be My own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is Mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The covenant-keeping God was looking for a covenant-keeping people, but the prospects dimmed. All but one tribe, the Levites, were disqualified when they worshipped the golden calf while Moses was on Mount Sinai. The Levites alone demonstrated a dedication to obey the Lord. Now only a remnant would serve as priests, and among this remnant, only Aaron and his sons would be consecrated in Exodus 28, verse 1. Instead of all the nation of Israel and all the tribe of Levi, now only Aaron and his sons would represent the ministry of the only covenant-keeping, God-honoring, qualified priest in human history, Jesus Christ. Of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu were killed for offering strange fire to the Lord. His other sons were Eleazar and Ithamar. Imagine attending this consecration ceremony. To help demystify the events, I've included a printed order of service. The sequence is very important. To violate it would invalidate their ministry. So, for those of you who are listening, you can imagine just reading the order of service. At the top of the page, we have the summons or the invitation. The Lord God has spoken to Moses and called you to assemble at the tent of meeting for the consecration of Aaron and his sons as priests. Order of service. Number one, the preparation. Moses officiating. The washing of the priests, indicating the necessity of Christ for our cleansing, followed by the dressing of the high priest, indicating the necessity of being clothed in Christ, clothed with the tunic and sash, clothed with the ephod and robe, and girded with the artistic band of the ephod, in verse 7 of chapter 8, clothed with a breastplate, with the twelve stones representing the people, and the urim and the thummim, for guidance, placed in it, clothed with a turban placed on his head, with the inscribed golden plate, the holy crown. Number two, the anointing of the tabernacle for consecration. The tabernacle speaks of the finished work of redemption of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. The anointing of the tabernacle and all that is in it, the sprinkling of the oil on the altar seven times, the anointing of the altar and all its utensils, the anointing of the basin and its stand. Number three, the anointing of the high priest, representing the ascension and exaltation of Christ, our perfect high priest, that makes possible the descension of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. 
the anointing oil is poured on Aaron's head. Psalm 133 is a devotional commentary on this act. Number four, the dressing of the priests, the sons of Aaron, which speaks of the beautification of the church. They are clothed with tunics and sashes. Their headgear is bound upon their heads. Number five, the necessary sacrifices, the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the ordination offering. Aaron and his sons lay hands on the sin offering, the bull, representing the big problem of atonement for sin that requires the big animal, the bull. The bull is slaughtered by Moses, and the blood is applied to the four corners of the altar and poured out at the base to make atonement for it. The offering of the fat on the entrails and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and their fat in the smoke on the altar, and the bull and its hide, flesh, and refuse were burned on a fire outside the camp. Aaron and his sons lay hands on the burnt offering, a ram. The burnt offering deals with the problem of acceptance before God, and the ram is slaughtered by Moses, and the blood is sprinkled around the altar. The pieces of the ram are offered, that is the head and the suet and smoke, entrails and legs washed with water. The whole ram is offered for a soothing aroma, an offering by fire. Next in the order of service, number six, is the consecration itself, the application of blood, filling of hands, and application of oil. The blood speaks of the work of the cross. Aaron and his sons lay hands on a ram of ordination, a second ram. The ram is slaughtered by Moses, and Moses puts the blood on Aaron, that is the high priest's right ear, which speaks of being redeemed to be consecrated for hearing, the blood of the right hand, redeemed for consecrated service, the big toe of the right foot, speaking of being redeemed for a consecrated walk. Moses applies the blood in the same manner to Aaron's sons. He invites Aaron's sons to come near, and the right ear is anointed with blood, speaking of being redeemed to be consecrated for hearing, the thumb of the right hand, redeemed for consecrated service, the big toe of the right foot, redeemed for a consecrated walk, and the remaining blood is sprinkled around on the altar. Next, there's the filling of hands, so there is room for nothing other than what God has given, in verses 25 to 29. This speaks of the dedication of our lives, as described in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Aaron's hands are filled with the fat from the sacrifices, that is the tail and the entrails, lobe of the liver, two kidneys, and the right thigh, the unleavened cake, one cake of bread mixed with oil, and one wafer. All in the hands of Aaron and his sons are offered as a wave offering before the Lord. The wave offering is a representational offering. When something is waved before the Lord, it signifies something much larger than itself. Imagine waving your arms from east to west, signifying a large horizon. Moses then takes his portion of the ram of ordination. This is followed by the consecration with the anointing oil and the blood, the work of the Spirit applying the work of the cross. The anointing oil and the blood are sprinkled on the persons and garments of Aaron and his sons. This is followed by partaking of the bread and the flesh of the sacrifice for sustenance at the doorway of the tent of meeting and fellowship in the tent of meeting for seven days and nights.
how fitting to conclude the ordination with a feast. This is followed by the benediction. This has been done to make atonement on your behalf. Verse 34. Go in peace. The solemnity of this invitation is underscored by the fact that obedience to the order of service is necessary so that we will not die. In verse 35. On the eighth day, once the consecration service is over, Aaron and his sons get busy offering the sacrifices as commanded by the Lord, the sin offerings, the burnt offerings, the meal offerings, and the peace offerings. This was necessary that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. In Leviticus 9, verse 6. We're going to see the resulting manifestation of the glory of the Lord tomorrow. We close with an important reminder to the royal priesthood. Before we can go out to minister to others, we must first be consecrated that is, we must be identified with and have communion with Christ. He is our tent of meeting. This means we are not to let our eagerness to serve our fellow men interfere with our first commitment to have communion with God. It is only as we serve God in the holy place, yielded in worshiping and personal devotion, that we are able to serve in the congregation. Now let's read from the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 3, verses 31 through chapter 4, verse 25. We read of Jesus' mother and brothers. Verse 31. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Chapter 4. The Parable of the Sower Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those who are outside, everything is in parables, so that, quote, they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven, end quote. I put the quotes there because he's quoting from the Old Testament. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. 
and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It may surprise you that Jesus had half-brothers. In Mark 3.32, a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Jesus was miraculously conceived by the Virgin Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 and 35, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. Although married to Joseph, she and Joseph did not have sexual relations until after Jesus was born, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 25. We know the names of some of their children. His brothers were James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, or Jude, in Matthew 13, verse 55. It is implied that he had sisters, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 56. His brothers were not believing that Jesus was the Christ, in John chapter 7, verse 5. His own people wanted to take custody of him, saying, He has lost his senses, in Mark 3, verse 21. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to his brother James in 1 Corinthians 15:7, who not only became a believer, but a leader in the early church in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, and Acts chapter 15, verses 13 and 19, and Galatians chapter 1, verse 19, and chapter 2, verse 9. And he's also the author of the epistle of James. But the good news is that you can be his brother, his sister, or mother. Jesus said to his disciples, For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother, in Mark 3.35. Jesus was teaching a very large crowd in Mark chapter 4, but he was not deceived into thinking that they all believed in him. He gives a powerful illustration of this truth with the parable of the sower and the seed. In those days, seeds were not planted in neat rows by machines. Seed was scattered liberally from a sower who threw the seed from a bag that he carried on his shoulder. Some of the seed fell on the hard-packed soil beside the road, so the birds of the air were able to eat it. Some fell on the rocky soil without depth, and so when the sun scorched the plant, it did not have sufficient root to survive. Some fell among thorns and were choked by weeds, but some fell on good soil and graciously brought forth a crop yielding thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Jesus said that in any large crowd, Many will listen to his words, but not hear, and therefore they fall short of having the word's life reproduced in them. Jesus explains this parable. It reminds us that as we do the work of evangelism, 
that not everyone who listens to our message will be saved. The shallow hearer is one who is familiar with the word. He gives a polite nod but proudly rebuffs it in his heart, not allowing it to penetrate or bring conviction or spur repentance and faith. Consequently, Satan takes it away. Have you allowed Satan to take the word away from you so that it has no life-changing impact? Then there are those who receive the word with joy. By outward appearance, it looks like they have been converted. They are enthusiastic subscribers to the Jesus Channel. They attend meetings. They are on fire. But the seed was rooted in their felt needs, their emotions, or their preconceptions. When they are tested in the hardships of daylight, with afflictions and persecution, they fall away, indicating that they did not have the life of the Word to stand up to the test. Can we sing, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come? Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home? Is your profession of faith actually a possession of faith? His faith? In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It is also possible that the Word is received among the many cares, the worries, and the deceitfulness of riches. The seed is choked by human preoccupations. The Word will never be subservient to another God. Jesus will have no competitors. The parable of the sower and the seed causes us to appreciate the miracle and necessity of genuine conversion and reminds us to be diligent hearers who continue with the Word. In John 8.31, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in Him, If you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In John chapter 15, verse 8, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be My disciples. And now we read from the book of Psalms, continuing in Psalm 37, starting with verse 12 and going through to verse 29. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish. Like smoke they vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by Him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice, he will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous 
shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. In this portion from Psalm 37, we are reminded that a day of judgment is coming in verses 12 to 22. The psalmist gives evidence in verses 23 to 40 that the Lord is faithful to those who believe, those who are righteous, that is, in a right relationship with God by faith in His Word, in His promise, in Christ Jesus, in contrast to those who do not believe and consequently are not right with God. These are called the wicked in the Bible. He establishes and orders your steps in verse 23, upholds you with His hand in verse 24. He does not forsake you in verse 25. He graciously supplies your needs in verse 26. You will inherit what He has promised in verse 29. He will give you words that are wise and just in verse 30. He will keep you from falling in verse 31. He will give you peace and a posterity in verse 37. He will give strength and deliverance in times of trouble. Not so the wicked. Their legacy will pass away, be cut off, and be no more. Their future is condemnation and destruction. And now we read from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 10, verse 5. We are to plan wisely and act diligently for the glory of God and the good of others. Proverbs 10, 5. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Let's pray. Lord, you are the Holy One. We ascribe to you the greatness of your name. Gracious Father, precious Redeemer, life-giving Spirit, you are a holy trinity. Lord Jesus, your faithful ministry as our great High Priest and your once and for all sacrifice has secured our right standing and blessed privilege of communion. Your shed blood has turned the judgment seat that would have condemned us into a mercy seat, where we are seated above in heavenly places, identified with you. May we be faithful to sow the seed of your word abundantly, even as we purpose to embrace it, abide in it, and continue in it ourselves. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the One Year Bible Reading Tour. Our goal is to get you reading consistently, thoughtfully, prayerfully. Each year that I read through the Bible, I like to plow a little deeper, linger a little longer, and appreciate more fully the scope of God's wisdom and the history of redemption. We want you to feel welcome to contact us with your comments, questions, prayer requests, and you can do so by sending an email to podcast at newlife.org. That address is podcast at newlife.org. And we want to remind you that many benefit from getting a daily email with a written copy of the commentary of each day's Bible readings with illustrations, maps, and charts. You can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. Again, all our resources are offered freely without charge. I do hope that you can join us on tomorrow's excursion as we continue to read through the Bible. And until that time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Shalom. Peace be with you.